welcome. Welcome to the porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Studying the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, to see how they serve the Lord, to follow their example, taking a deeper look into how they served the kingdom of God, not themselves, not a denomination, not anything but the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. And our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the man-made one. The church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. And if you know that, if you believe that, there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth. And you know that you know that you know you want that walk with him. You're more than welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, visit firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, T-H-E-P-O-R-C-H, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we hope that you will, and we appreciate everyone that does, on the bottom of the homepage of Firefall Talk Radio, there are ways to do so. If you need more information, just choke on it. No, just (laughs) reach out to us. Hold on. That was weird. That was very weird. Wow. And that was a choking welcome to all of our listeners on the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us there so that you know when you can hear me choke on the air again. And also when the word will be up or some interview or whatever we're doing. We want to stay connected with you. We're on Facebook, Instagram, um, X, which used to be Twitter and is now X. Uh, we're there. So join us. Stay connected with us. Interact with us. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others, just let us know. We care about you. I pray for you. And if I know you by name, I pray for you by name. If I don't, I just pray for you as a member of the porch community, a listener, praying that he blesses you, protects you watches over you. So, Father, we come to you. We come to you in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords. We thank you. We thank you for loving us even when we were and are unlovable. We thank you for forgiving us, applying the blood to our sins, wiping out our debts so that we could have access to you, be reconciled to you, We could all be a family again. Lord, we never want to do anything without praising you. Father, we praise you for our salvation, first of all. Without that, we have nothing. For our homes, our families, our pets, our possessions, everything. Protect us, Lord. Your protection over us, we praise you for that. I praise you for this ministry that you allow me to work for you. This is your ministry, not mine. My name will never be on it. I praise you for the dreams and the visions and the fulfillment of prophecy and for your healing virtues, which 
still flow to us and through us for being able to praise you in everything. In all things, we praise you. Praise you for renewal and restoration. We praise you for the signs of the times telling us you're coming back. And we praise you because we're ready to see you. All creation groans for the return of the king. Praise you for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem. Now we come to you in prayer. First of all, we pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, those that are being martyred for their faith, for divine wholeness, for health, for healing in each and every one of us. We need to get back to our divine design, the way you made us, not the way society or ancestry or what our choices have done to us. So I pray right now for healing in all who are sick, who need a touch. Pray protection, that Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of us, the flowing inspiration of the Holy Spirit to guide us in all things. I pray for the remnant. That's you. If you're listening, that's who you are. You're not religion. You're not traditional church. I pray for the remnant, Lord, to protect them, to wake them up, for them to rise up and answer the call to action. The harvest is great and the laborers are few. And the enemy's out and about doing what they do. We need to be doing what we're supposed to do. So I ask you to bless us so that we can be a blessing, that we can come together, Lord, combining our prayers to topple mountains, to destroy strongholds, set the captives free for faith to fill our prayers, for protection and that covering during this supernaturally active time. If you don't know it, something's going on. It's in the air. It's always been that way, but it's different now. The enemy knows that their time is coming. They are preparing for their coming out party. We need to take a stand. We need to do what we're called to do and get back to basics, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. We need to take a more aggressive stand against the schemes of the fallen, digging our heels in and one having done all to stand side by side, back to back, swords drawn, shields up, armor on. Pray for edification, encouragement, inspiration in your children so that we can tell them about you. We can preach the gospel, set the captives free, bring the signs of the Messiah back into the world. We pray to be able to operate efficiently in the calling, exposing the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying to be mobile, highly mobile, and the dunamis explosive power of the Holy Spirit to live out Luke 4.18. We want to change things. We want to be about the kingdom for signs and wonders and your presence in us and for your love to flow through us. We thank you for protecting the technology, for sending your angels, for flowing and going and allowing us to grow in you. And we pray all these things in Yeshua's name. If you agree, say amen.
Please lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. You know, that choking really was weird. It wasn't, uh, I don't know what caused it. It just suddenly happened and could be happenstance. I don't want to make everything about the devil. It could be. But the fact is we live in a fallen world. It's under the control of the wicked one. He's the God of this world. But we have been delegated all authority in heaven and earth to do something about that. So we're talking about the remnant. We're in part four here, back to basics. What is a remnant? A portion of people left over after a disaster, especially a disaster identified with divine judgment, which is coming on America. This term describes those who have remained faithful to God despite the suffering, who ultimately experience restoration. A people that remain after an epidemic, after a famine, a drought, or a war. And as I've said, we are in a war, a religious war. A war for the kingdom of God and against the destruction of his church. How did we get to this place? Well, lots of different ways, but we've talked about it. Religion. Man-made religion. Religion is a personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices, a cause, a principle, or system of belief held to with ardor and faith. The religious mindset is lethal to his church. It's driving people away from him in one of two directions, either into form and formality or off in the fringe. You're either seeking that old-time religion or you're seeking to be outside the box and outside the book. Well, that old-time religion is not good enough for me. Man is always thinking of ways, ways to make the kingdom fit the world instead of changing the world with the kingdom. Believers have gone along for the ride. And that's how we got traditions. Does traditional equal biblical? I don't think so. A tradition is an inherited, established, customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. A belief, a story, or body of beliefs of story stories relating to the past that are commonly accepted as historical, though not verifiable. It's the handing down of information, beliefs, and customs by word of mouth, by example, from one generation to another. And it's cultural continuity in attitudes, customs, and institutions. We've been in those kind of churches. I flee from them now. I don't go anywhere near them. Were they well-meaning? Were the people evil? No. They were just doing what had been done before them. And I used to think it was good. I used to think it was of God. It wasn't. I would say, but didn't he show up? Well, yeah. Wherever two or more there also is he. So if we showed up, he's there. And I remember one time asking him that, sitting in the back of the church, watching things going, well, Lord, this isn't you. But yet 
you show up. Why is that? He said, because my kids are here. But it wasn't his best for them. Slightly off, yeah. One, that one degree off that gets you lost. Along the way, a fellowship of believers, that's the church, became a, a building, became set-apart professionals, ministers, or clergy, aided by volunteers or lady. And folks, whenever you pay somebody to do a job like that, whether it's a preacher or a politician, once they get into power, once they get the paycheck, they A, never want to give it up, and B, never want to fix things and make it right. Because when you preach a pure gospel, when you bring a laser-like focus into the Word, people leave. They want their ears tickled. So that organic, dynamic church became the contemporary church, traditional church, present-day church, modern church. Became an institution, and you know what institutions are for. Nope. In escaping religion and institutional thinking, that's what people are trying to do. But this is the other side of the coin. We've talked about one extreme. We want to get away from the institutional organization. We want to move in the freedom. We want to have it. We want to do it differently. But in escaping that mindset, people have also left a biblical thinking. They went to the other extreme, that whole thinking outside the box and outside the book. Oh, God can do it however he wants. Yeah, but he won't do it any other way but what he's told us. Oh, that book was written a long time ago, Richard. That doesn't apply to us anymore. Yes, it does. It hasn't changed. You're telling me Almighty God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who did everything, wasn't smart enough to write a book that transcended times and cultures and opinions of men. Oh, he's plenty smart. We're the dumb ones. No, the Lord gave us his instructions. He gave us his guidelines. And they're in red letters. Mark 16, starting verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, meaning in his authority they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Oh, does that mean the snake charmers and handlers of the mountains? No, 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 that's not what it means. It means if you're out there preaching the gospel, working the kingdom, the serpents can't kill you and the people can't poison you. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. But the problem is, you can't preach the gospel if you don't know it. Can't preach what you don't know. That's why the word is so vital. That's why from day one, here on the porch, even in the home fellowship back in Tallahassee, it's always been about what the Lord said. These red-letter basics, as I call them. 
but you can't go and do in a fallen world unless you've been given the authority to do so. Well, Yeshua said in Matthew 28, starting verse 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, right there. That go, therefore, based upon the previous words, he's giving you dispensational authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're not alone. He's with you through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission right there is fourfold. Go. Well, right there, the modern church has broken it. They have sat down. They've become spectators. They've become won't go there, Spirit won't let me. But they have just sat down. And you know what? This applies to all believers, not just preachers. Everyone needs to go. We need to do. We need to be active. We need to be flowing. We need to be going. And the invitation to salvation is for everyone. So why should not the responsibility of giving that invitation and getting that invitation all look alike. We have the same rights, same privileges, same promises, and the same provision. We've been equipped for service. So all should be a part of going, evangelizing the world according to the ability and direction from God through the Holy Spirit. You don't choose where you go. You don't choose what you're going to do. He does. And there is no excuse for millions of members of fellowships, I won't say church members because we're the church, leaving this work to only a few who get burnt out and more often than not leave the ministry. Go, teach. Oh boy, here we go. Teach. In the Greek, to make disciples, to enroll as a learner or a pupil helping someone to gradually learn the Word of God to become matured, growing a disciple, literally a learner, a true Messiah follower, to train and develop in the truths of Scripture and the lifestyle required, helping a believer learn to be a disciple of the Lord in belief and practice. I was blessed. I was lucky that the Lord put me with a man, Pastor Robert A. Shelley. You've heard me talk about him a lot, write about him in my book. My mentor, my teacher, my spiritual father. He discipled me. He taught me. You don't just raise a baby, bring a baby into the world. Say, okay, now go live your life. Oh, you want food? You, you want clothes? What? What's that in your diaper? Well, you're going to have to take care of that. No, we don't do that. We raise them. We take care of them. We nurture them. We teach them how to walk. We teach them how to live in this world, how to get dressed. Just the basics. Come on. 
You go sit in a pew somewhere, they expect you to figure it out for yourself. Or you can buy our seven-book series. Come, no, no. Go sit down with them. Take them out to lunch. Go to their house. Open the Bibles. Have a Bible study. Go make disciples. We see it all throughout the book of Acts. And I was sitting here thinking today, the book of Acts. Action. Holy Spirit fuel driving it. Acts 14, starting verse 19. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They were in the business of making disciples. That's what I'm hoping I'm doing with you. And I know it's through podcasting, the Internet, however you listen. I'm hoping that I am inspiring you to want to know more, to do more, to be more than just a pew-sitting bird in a nest with your mouth open going, feed me, wanting to nibble, wanting to feast. As I said in my book, The Supernatural Battle, Shelley used to put out a smorgasbord, a huge banquet of the Word, a huge banquet of whatever the Lord had cooked that weekend. And everybody was watching their watch saying, well, we got to get to Morrison's, you know, we got to get that special. And I'm like, oh, shut up. Keep going, Shelly. I want to eat. I want to feast. I want more. And the, the Wednesday night Bible study said he taught. And if he was talking, if he was teaching, if he was preaching, I was there because he had what I wanted. He knew what I needed to learn. And then that hunger hit me, the hunger to know more, the hunger to, to read more. And even though when I got saved and got born again, I was separate from my family, living in New York, pursuing the acting career, uh, doing the bodyguard work and all those things, and they were in Tallahassee. But I was in my time in the Sinai, just me and the Lord and the Holy Spirit seven days a week, Bible study every day, praise and worship every day. I was reading four and five books a week. Everywhere I went, whether to the gym or to an audition, on riding on the subway or whatever it was, I was feeding and eating because I was hungry. When somebody gets born again, they're hungry. If you look at Acts 8.38, when Philip preaches to the eunuch and he wants to know what's to stop me from being baptized. So they command the chariot to stand still, and Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. Baptized disciples. Water. A confirmation. A consecration. We haven't been able to do it in a while, but the very first conference we did, the first sea conference in uh, Groton, Connecticut, we were at a hotel that allowed us to use their pool, and I think that first morning there, one, two, three, four, five, I think we had four or five or six people get baptized. Very powerful, very moving. And then 
teach, give instruction. You know, there are some people that I've taken under my wing and I do that with. You do it in love, you do it in correction, but you tell the truth. You explain things. It, it's like with the martial arts. I, you know, I've studied it most of my life, kind of on and off, and read the books and seen the movies, and I can imitate, I can replicate, but I wasn't instructed. And um, my teacher, Master Oswald, and Master being a title based upon the stripes on his belt, not like Master and the Lord, you know, with the Lord, kind of like you call a doctor, doctor because of his studies. Well, that's what happens in Taekwondo and other martial arts. But the key being, when I got to the class and started studying under Rick, my uh, teacher and friend and brother in the Lord, he didn't look at me and go, well, you know what? You look like you know what you're doing. Get out there with the black belts. No, that would have been a serious mistake because I, I would have quit because it would have been too frustrating. And B, I might have gotten hurt. Now, I started out with the white belts, and I went worked my way up because I studied and he taught. We need to instruct as we enroll disciples. And we do it in the name of, by the authority of. That word name in the, in the Hebrew is Shem, Hashem, the name, that's God. Or in the Greek, it means authority. Unaman, the Greek, it means authority. And so we're doing it in the, the name of the Lord, but we're doing it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we're taking their authority with us. Acts 2.38, after preaching to the, the crowds, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit from the upper room, totally transformed and rejuvenized, juven, vitalized. Ooh, I'm so excited right now. I could run around this room, which is be really difficult with all the equipment and the lights and the microphone. It would just be tough. But I'm I'm willing to try. If you hear a crash, that's what happened. Peter looks at them. They said, what shall we do? And he says, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He and the Father are one. So we are getting baptized. We are being empowered. We are being commissioned by the full authority of heaven itself. Acts 19, starting verse 1, Paul's in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And so they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to all the people that they should believe on him, him being the Lord and Messiah, who would come after him, that is Messiah Yeshua. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Adonai Yeshua, the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now those men were about twelve in all, and went out from there. Let me ask you a question. Please respond. Send me emails. Go to one of the places. 
Write to me at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. Find me on social media. Aren't you hungry for this? Aren't you tired of sitting in 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 buildings and in uh, sanctuaries which by the way what we have is actually a replication of the of the temples of the basilicas the early church did it in homes where the only the largest church they think maybe had 100 people in it cuz they knocked out some walls aren't you hungry to see the power You've heard me talk about the home church and the signs and the wonders and people getting delivered. One guy dying from alcohol poisoning, stone cold delivered, filled with the Spirit. People just falling out with no one touching them. Aren't you hungry for that? In intimacy and in power? By the authority of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, we are supposed to baptize everyone that gets saved. And we baptize them in the authority, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What else do you need? I mean, come on. What else do you need but the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? That authority, that seal, that confirmation. So right there, that commission, he gave us a job to do and the authority to do it and the power to accomplish it. What is holding us back? Go then, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and you can only find that in the Red Letter Basics. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That was the Amplified. Until the job is done, he's with us. Until the job is done, the Holy Spirit's working in us and through us. Wait, wait. I don't, Richard, how is he with us? That makes no sense. He's he's on the throne, right? Yes, he is. But the Holy Spirit connects you to the throne room. So remember, I'm about to read. I'll tell you the scriptures up front, and I'm just going to flow through them. I'm going to read you John 14, 26, John 15, 7 and 8, John 15, 18 and 19, John 15, 26 and 27, John 16, 7 through 15. And I'm going to read it as one flowing statement from the Lord. Now, I want you to hear it. I want you to receive it. I want you to have it imprinted upon your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. But the Helper, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what is abide? Permanent residence. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But when the Holy Spirit, the Helper, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He won't testify of a man or a woman or a teaching or a building or a denomination, abomination, man's creation. No, he will testify of the Lord. And you shall bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning and because we have been replicated from the disciples to us, he is still with us. Nevertheless, the Lord says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, capital H, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, present tense, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, says the Lord, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, connects you directly to the throne room, connects you directly to the heart and mind of the Father and the Son. You can't walk this walk. You can't talk the talk. You can't teach. You can't do anything without the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the connection to that power and to that information. Therefore, as the remnant, if you desire for more, you need to get back to basics, the red-letter basics. Now, in John fourteen twelve through 17, I've told you, Many times here on the porch and also in the book, this is what triggered my transformation 2007, I think it was. Most assuredly, John 14, starting with verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If there's anything, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The greater works. I remember sitting in my office saying, Lord, where are these greater works? What? Every now and then somebody prophesies. Every now and then somebody interprets. You know, people every now and then get healed or get delivered. Where are these greater works? 
Well, we missed out on them because if you go down to verse 15 of John 14, he says, if you love me, wait a second, we've trans, we've we've gone from all of this to love? Yes, if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Anybody trying to tell you that the gifts of the spirit left after the church, you know, after the last apostle died, doesn't understand the scriptures. If he's going to dwell with you and be in you, if he's going to abide, take permanent residence, He's going to be here as long as the church is here and as long as the church has the job to do because you can't do the greater works without that. So I get back to my question. Where are they? Where are these greater works? Oh, Richard, you do them. You go do them. No, 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 I do. Yes, I do. But I want I want more personally. But don't you? Where are they? Do we really want them? Do we want to love him? Do we want to keep his commandments? Do we want to study his word? Do we want to act right, walk right, talk right? Or we just want to run and gun? We want to live our life the way we want to live it. Hope he blesses it. Dear Lord, bless this mess. Nope, sorry, can't do that. I want greater works. I want to see the dead raised. I've been a part of many. I participated. Him flowing through me to someone else in many miracles. I haven't seen the dead raised. I've heard about it. I've heard Shelley, Shelley talk about all the times he was used to raise someone from the dead. The signs of the Messiah are vital in these last days. So Yeshua, our King, represented the Father. The Holy Spirit represents the Son, invested with his authority as the interpreter and executor of his will. His will is what? That all would be saved. And we represent him to the world to fulfill his will. What is his will? I just said it. He desires all people to be saved and reconciled to him. But if you're going to do this, you need to understand something. There is a resistant force against us. Now, the only reason I'm going to touch on this, first of all, it's because the Lord gave it to me. B, it ties into this. And at some point, I want to go through the book of Ephesians. Because we always talk about chapters 5 and 6, which is about warfare and about, you know, the weapons of you know all that crazy stuff that I've always done, but when you look at chapters one, two, three, and four, they're about love. They're about relationship. They're about setting people free. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Ephesians six, starting verse twelve, and this this will be the amplified. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God that you may be able to, 
to successfully resist and to stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done all, having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious for you, partially, mostly for the kingdom. Second Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 6. The weapons of our warfare are not physical, they're not carnal, they're not weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, strongholds. You see, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Messiah, ready to punish every act of disobedience when our own obedience as a church is complete. You want to know why churches fail in spiritual warfare? Because they're disobedient in some part of their makeup or nature. And if you go against the enemy with sin or disobedience in your life, you have an opening in your armor, and the enemy will take advantage of it. But what we do is not power for the sake of power, but for the kingdom. It's not for glory. It's not for anything more than to take the power and the authority to undo what Hasatan and the fallen have done, to set people free, to further the kingdom, to spread the gospel. I was guilty of not understanding that. I, Like I said, I'd read a lot of books on spiritual warfare. I'd come out of the occult. I understood that. But I saw spiritual warfare at the height, late 80s, early to mid-90s, through 2000. We were doing it wrong. We were doing it for the wrong reasons. And the enemy destroyed a lot of people, a lot of fellowships. Well, folks, we're getting ready for the final battle. We're in the final countdown. And the enemy's not going to take any mercy for us. No, no mercy, no holds barred. They're going to cheat. They're going to gouge. They're going to do everything they can to win. And we can't be out of order. We must get back to basics. You know, the one thing in the martial arts I liked, especially in the style I studied, U.S. Chunga Kwan Taekwondo, no matter what your ranking belt was, when it came time to do the forms, you had to do all of them, especially when you were testing. You didn't just test on your form. You had to go out there and do every one from white belt to black belt in a row perfectly to move on. You had to have the basics. You had to have the blocks. You had to have the moves. We as believers need to get back to the simple things. What did I do when I first got saved? Well, we didn't have digital phones or whatever. I had uh, three-by-five index cards. And I had certain scriptures. I used to call the bullets in my spiritual gun. Yeah, I'm from, I'm an Italian from New York. Give me a break. And they were the basic scriptures that I would memorize, that I would use 
when I needed them to. And I would start the day for me reading Galatians, binding the fruit of the flesh, loosing the fruit of the Spirit, telling myself, teaching myself, reminding myself to where it became a part of me. But this is not about power for power's sake. And I am sick and tired of people promoting men and women who get up on a stage, most of all, who lie to you, who've never done any of the things they've done. The only war they've ever been in is in a conference room or the bathroom or some other room. They've never been out there where the enemy is. They've never set the captives free. They've never gotten dirty. They've gone to West Point and studied war, and they think they can go out there and and fight a war. But it's not about that. It's not about power. It's about love. It's about the fact that we are born again. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Who says that? The Lord. Luke 10, starting verse 17. And the 70, which he had sent out to heal the sick and to do all that. By the way, he sent them out. They're not born again. He's given them his authority. And they go out, and they do it. And they come back, and they're jacked. They're excited. Ooh, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I can hear it. I've done it. I've heard other people say it. And he said to them, I saw Hasatan. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think he's referring to Satan's pride, but he's, I saw it. I was there. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, symbols of the demonic, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Salvation the kingdom. That's what it's all about. So the Lord gives them a caution to not become enamored with the sensational, with the spiritual events. Stop seeking, you know, all these signs and wonders, many of which are lying signs and wonders. I want to know the place where you're going. Are people getting saved, healed, and delivered? Are you bringing in new converts, or are you just transferred saints, sheep that have wandered into your pen? No matter how significant, our attention should be focused on the central theme of everything, salvation. The central theme of prophecy and Scripture is what the Lord was concerned about, which is what we should be concerned about. The fact that Someone's name is written in heaven, written in the blood, is more significant than any individual spiritual prowess which people boast about. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of the dog and pony show. I'm sick and tired of the showman. I'm going to tell you right now, Boy, I wish I could name names. I can see the spirits ready to grab my tongue. But there are people that have made a big deal out of themselves. They've got the websites. They've got it all. They've got the seminars. They've got the books. They've got the DVDs. When the enemy makes their move, in the way that they're going to make their move, they're going to be paper tigers. 
they're not going to know what to do. I've seen it. I've seen it in the spirit. I've seen it in dreams and visions. I've seen it in real life. We used to train with other schools. Actually, other schools would come to the Y where we'd study, and we'd spar with them. And our lower-ranking belts were beating their black belts badly. Why? Because we had worked the basics. We knew why we were doing what we were doing. It wasn't a show. Folks, the show time is over. Spiritual romper room is over. There are people dying out there. There are people getting deceived, seduced, destroyed. So as disciples and true believers, we shouldn't rejoice in spiritual power. We should rejoice that we're saved, we're healed, we're delivered. We should rejoice in the greatness of God, our Heavenly Father. We should rejoice in the Lord. We should get back to these basics. And again, I was guilty of it. I was guilty of the uh, the pride and knowing what I could do in his name and what he'd used me for until he humbled me, until he taught me that, until I wielded his sword with a hand of love, I would never be like him. I used to do what I did for the kingdom, for the Lord. And I've told you this, and I shared it with somebody recently. Because of my background, Shelly turned over the deliverance ministry to me. And it got to the point we were doing them every night, all week long. And they'd go two and three and four hours, and I'd come home exhausted. And finally, one night, the Lord said, I said to the Lord, I got home, it was late. I was weary down deep into my bones, into my spirit. I said, Lord, what is wrong with this picture? The Bible says in that very hour, in that very moment, what am I doing wrong? And he very clearly said to me, son, you hate demons more than you love people. You're doing what you do to punish the enemy for what they did to you. And so I prayed for him to open my eyes the next time we did a a deliverance, we ministered to somebody that I could see them in his love and stories in my book. And I said, show me, Lord. So this woman drove down from Alabama. She was a Baptist. She didn't believe in the gifts, but she was at wit's end. And her cousin had been ministered to by me and been set free. And so she, she had no other hope. She had some kind of a psychosis that they kept her calm by putting electrodes in her brain and hooking her to a box, and it wasn't working anymore, and she was starting to get the homicidal thoughts. So her and her husband drove down to Tallahassee. It was a Saturday morning. I think it was 9 o'clock, and they got to the church, and we got into the counseling room, and I took the husband and the, the lady's cousin. I took him to another room and I said, no matter what you hear, do not come in. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. So we got in there and the woman began to tell her story and how much she loved her 
how much she loved her children, but the voices in her head were telling them to kill them, to slit their throat. And she had no other hope. The doctors couldn't help her. And while she was talking, I began to see her with the Lord's eyes. And this love overwhelmed me. And without any warning, without any hesitation, I ministered to her. I had a brother there in support. She walked into that room at 9 o'clock. We talked and chatted till about 9.40. And she walked out 10 o'clock, totally free. Unhooked herself from her electrodes, completely set free. And the other person happened to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, Ph.D., which <laughs> I won't go there. Anyway, he said, well, you know, you need to go back to your doctors and get this confirmed and have them check you up. So she did. When she got back to us the next week, said she went to the doctor, and they wrote on her folder, completely healed, released. And the doctor also wrote, and we had nothing to do with it. That's power. That's what we should be doing in love. Compassion. Desire to replicate the Lord, to be a disciple. Luke 10, starting verse 17, If you really love me, says the Lord, you will keep, you will obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Now, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it by the Spirit. I've kind of established that. We're also going to do it by the book. And folks, we're going over tonight. I'm not going to cut this short. Yep, we're going to do it by the book. Because you can't get back to basics without knowing the book, without opening the book. As I said in my book, The Supernatural Battle, if I see you out there doing ministry with my book in your hand, I'm going to grab it and slap you upside your head. The only book that should be in your hand is the Bible. 66 books written by 40 authors covering a period of 16 hundred years, completely concise from Genesis to Revelation, tying together in one string, one scarlet thread, one tapestry. Old Testament written mostly in Hebrew, some passages in Old Aramaic, about a hundred years or more before what's called the Christian era. The entire New Testament, Old Testament was translated into the Greek language, that's the Septuagint, Remember, our English Bible is a translation of the original languages and eventually into every tongue. So when the Greek-speaking Jews talked about the scriptures, they used the Greek expression ta biblia, the scrolls or the books. Well, that became biblios, Bible, a term first used by Christians in A.D. 223 to refer to the Old Testament, and then the New Testament, when it was written, became the Bible. The name the Bible was adopted by John Wycliffe and then gradually became into our English language. 
the chapters and the verse subdivisions of the Bible, the descriptive headings of chapters, the presence of italics and sloping letters in the text wasn't there in the beginning. Now, it was intended to make everything easier to read and to quote about the 13th century by either Cardinal Hug or Archbishop Langdon, but truthfully, the Scripture is broken down into Scripture's Scriptures the way we do it today. 1551, Robert Stevens did that. And unfortunately, as we've talked about context and content, it's imperfect and sometimes changes the meaning. That's why you need to stop taking things out of context and go back and see what the content was, what that person meant. According to Smith's Bible Dictionary, the word derived from the root designating the inner bark of a linden tree on which the ancient wrote their books. It is the book. Testament means covenant or agreement. So the Old Testament is the covenant that God made with the Jews through Abraham. The New Testament is the agreement God has made with people through salvation in Yeshua's name. So the Old Testament is the covenant of the law. The New Testament, the covenant of grace. One leads into the other. Can't have one without the other. The old begins, the new completes. The old gathered on Mount Sinai, the new gathers on Mount Calvary. The old is associated with Moses, the new associated with Yeshua, John one seventeen. For the law given through Moses, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus, the Messiah. Now, who were these men that wrote the Bible? So they were kings, they were princes, poets, philosophers, prophets, statesmen, unschooled fishermen. From Adam to Abraham, we have the history of all people. From Abraham to Messiah, we have the history of the chosen people. And from Messiah onward, we have the history of the church. I love to read. I love, I've always loved to read. My mother was the first thing she taught me in I've always consumed books, but it's the books of the Bible that changed my life. No other book did that. The New Testament, the four Gospels, um, we have one of history, 21 epistles, 13 Pauline, 8 general, one book of prophecy. That was to teach us and reveal to us the character and teachings of the Messiah, of Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant done by eight men, four of whom Matthew, John, Peter, and Paul were apostles. Two, Mark and Luke, were um, companions of the apostles, Mark with Peter, Luke with Paul. Two, James and Jude were the brothers of Yeshua. Yes, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Um, Books were written at various times during the second half of the first century. God... Humanity, sin, redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification, grace and glory in one word, Yeshua. 
the Lord himself quoted 22 Old Testament books. In Matthew, 19 times. Mark, 15 times. Luke, 25. John, 11. The book of Hebrews quotes verbatim or by allusion the Old Testament 85 times. Revelation quotes the Old Testament 245 times. When the Lord called himself the Son of Man, he's quoting Daniel. When Jude talks about the coming of the saints and and the things he talks about, he's quoting Daniel. And he's also quoting the book of Enoch, but we won't go there. What the Bible is all about, the Bible handbook by Henrietta Mears says, the Bible is one book. You cannot read separate excerpts and expect to comprehend the magnificence of divine revelation. You should see it in its completeness. God has taken the pains to give us progressive revelation, and we should take pains to read it from beginning to end. Don't suppose reading little scraps can ever be comprehension for doing deep and compensation for doing a deep and systematic study of the Bible itself. We must concentrate on the book and look at it as a whole and not treat it as a chapter or book piecemeal or stand alone. We need to take it all as it is and consume it all because everything points to the king. John 20, verses 30 through 31, tells us why John wrote the gospel. And truly, Yeshua did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Yeshua, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, and there is no other reason for doing what we do. Do you feel that eagerness? Do you look at your Bible and say, I want to know more, I want to know you more, Lord? Do you come to it with eagerness? You should. We must come to it in basic, common-sense fashion and believe that every book is about something and read and reread till you find out what that something is. You want to read through the Bible? Leave 80 hours to do it. Schedule the time. How much time do you give it each day? How many days a week? I get it. We're all busy, but we can make time. You're not going to find time. You make time. We need to adjust our lives. Open his word and feast on his word. It's impossible to get the knowledge necessary to walk this walk if you don't know the word. And I'm not saying you have it memorized and you're the walking Bible chapter. Ver- no, but I know if I need a topic, I know where to find it. I know who said it. I know where it is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if I don't, the Spirit tells me, but he can't tell me anything if I haven't spent the time to read it. Second Timothy 2.15 be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Do your best to present yourself approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That way you won't take things out of context. 
You won't misquote the Lord. You won't misapply Scripture. That Bible reveals the will of God in order to lead us into the will of God. Somebody wants to say, well, what's the will of God? It's the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. That's it. Read a book of the Bible. Read one chapter a week, one one book a week. Set aside. Do it. Pray through it. If those 40 different authors did what they did and took the time to do so, we can do the same. Praise you, Lord. I'll take you to here. Let me give you a warning. That Bible, His Word, it will test you. It will expose you. It will reveal you to yourself and to others and to God. So don't take it lightly, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You can't hide in that word. It will call you out. It will show you your flaws. It will show you It'll show you the good things, too. You'll be edified. You'll be encouraged, but you will be corrected. Men and women, all of us, if you believe you're a part of the remnant, and I hope that you do, do it by the book. Do it in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go get the job done. Father, we did a lot tonight. We covered a lot. I'm hoping your spirit brings things to mind, has emblazoned upon the hearts of minds of your children, on their soul and their spirit. You've challenged us. You've confronted us. You've encouraged us. You've blessed us. You've healed us. Now send us. Send us, Lord. Send us to love on some people. We don't have to regale them with with names of demons or principalities. No. Just tell them about the Lord. He'll show them what he needs to show them if that's what they need to know. Tell them about what he's done for you. Spread the love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, whoever believes in him shall be saved. Inherit eternal life with him. They'll not be condemned. Spiritual warfare, like I said last week, is plundering the kingdom of darkness. So, Father, empower us, change us, send us. Right now, Lord, right now, commission your sons and your daughters to get started where they need to get started, to be who they need to be, for us to change this world and shake it one last time before the return of the King, so that when we see you face to face, you can look at us, put your hands on our shoulders and say, well done, well done. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. 
May the Lord, may Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.